Hello and welcome. My name is Mary Lou and you're listening to the Hero Hotspot podcast, which is all about well-being for women both at home and at work. In this series, we've been meeting with some holistic practitioners and exploring their wonderful therapies and how they can help us in our everyday lives. In this week's episode, I'm delighted to be talking once again to my friend June Barclay, an Anusha healer and angel channeler. This week, we talk about how June connects with the angels and how they come to us all in our darkest hours. How at times we need to let go and let God and trust that everything will happen with divine timing. We also explore how we can all communicate with spirit through meditation, dowsing and oracle cards. June's humble life and manner help us to understand how simple it really is to connect to our inner voice and allow the angels to step into our lives and help us. I hope you enjoy it. Um, So today we want to talk about connecting with angels. And we've already covered in our first podcast about how you felt. Okay, that's my next point. How you felt when you were young and feeling the presence. So you're rubbing your nose now. Yeah. And you were saying when you were little. The first time. Um, when I look back, I remember really always getting the itchy nose and I never put it with the angels. My mum, superstitious, used to say, oh, you're going to have a surprise. <laughs> Not this many surprises, surely. <laughs> and I used to get told off all the time for, for rubbing it and it was so itchy. It was. It's irritatingly itchy. It's not just uh, a passing thing. It stays there permanently while they're around. So in the end, I just gathered over years that that was their sign because the minute I got that, then I'd hear something or see something. So that the, the itchy nose was, for me, the sign mm. that they was around. And when, when I work, meditation, group or healing, it always, always itches. Let but you feel them know. in your hair as well, don't you? Yeah, I feel my hair being pulled at the back. And that is always Jesus. That's his sign. Mm. And that's only come recently that, that I know that is him. Mm. So why do the... Why do you feel they do that if it's not just enough for them to give you a message or because you can see or feel their light? Why do they need to physically? I think for me it's I'm not always paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> like an old prod. Yeah. So if you're not going to pay attention, we do it this way then. Mm. And for me, I do get, definitely get that. I've had a busy life mm. from the kids, from working, from all those other things. And... I think they've been prodding and pushing at me forever. Mm. And if I didn't pay attention one way, if I wasn't taking any notice of the lights that were going off or... Because that's normal. From, that was always normal. And I never thought that was any... I, I mean, that sounds big-headed. It sounds like it's not anything special because it happens. But that was your world. But that was mm. my world, yeah. So I wasn't putting... Me working with spirit when I used to see all that. Mm. It was just, it was always there. The itchy nose gets more and more 
the more I take my notes of it, the worse it gets. If I sit down to work, that is the, obviously their connection to say, come on, we're working now, mm. which is what just happened again, mm. wasn't mm. it? And when I do group and Jesus turns up at the end, he always pulls my ear to let me know it's him. Mm. And I, that has only been more recently, though, I'd mm. say. When I do meditation nights, because I'm already channeling, it's probably easy for him to show himself to me mm. in that golden light mm. that I see. That is definitely him. But if I'm not paying attention to that, then obviously if he's coming on, I'm not getting the connection, that's when I feel the hair mm. being pulled. But also it, you can get very hot. I get really very hot. Absolutely like combustion hot. Mm. Put that with somebody, a, a big being in here mm. or something that needs to be said. And I know that everybody sits with blankets on mm. when we meditate. I, I couldn't, I sit here in a T-shirt, mm. don't I, with mm. the window open. That's always been my thing with that meditating, I get hot. So that's just transferred onto me running the meditation that I do get that hot. Mm. And it's just, for me, it's all part of it. Mm. it but it's not just you in that what's nice is that during our groups, other people, and, and out of group in their own lives, other people can feel that. So oh, I yeah. know people who've who felt sort of feathers on their face or yeah. they feel a warmth on their shoulders or so that sensation and a little bit like we were um, saying in the first podcast when you create the time to connect and be still you mm. then become aware of these signs whereas you send a busy life you're rushing around you're not going to be aware of a heat or a touch yeah but the more we connect yeah we are actually able to feel their presence in other ways that's right that's what happens it's just giving it time. Mm. If if you do think, oh, I felt something the other day, or I sat down and I did, I did actually feel something on my shoulder. I felt a touch, or if a feather keeps appearing mm. on your path, they're of it. They are trying to give you a message, mm. and it's for everybody. Mm. Nobody is any different. We're all we have all got access mm. to this. Mm. It's how much you wanna yourself into it mm. and how much you want to notice it mm. but I'm, I will warn you if you don't take any notice of it and they want you to know they will keep on mm. they will put that feather every day in front mm. of you they will send that robin mm. every day to sing to you you will feel that warmth you'll feel a touch you'll feel, there will always be a sensation mm. connected to it for most people not everybody feels it, but most people. And that more often can be a reassurance that they're there rather than for you it's a precursor to connection. Yeah. Or would you say, I mean, people do see butterflies, they see robins, they see um, colours or pennies or feathers, but if it's, could it be a precursor for them to be, a, yes. actually, if you need to sit and connect now, yeah. we have a message for you? I think that people are asking all the time in their head they may not say it like prayers mm. sending it out there would you help me with this can i have help with that and you've that's the asking mm. the answer comes by if you're i'm, a, I'm lonely i need a, somebody in my life just say for instance it's that one 
Can you please send me somebody? On your path, the next day could be a feather. Mm. And that's to let you know, actually, you're not alone, mm. that I'm I'm your angel and I'm walking with you. Mm. So in that connection, yes, because you've already sent the signal out there. And about the future of your life, could you send me a signal to let me know for that one? That one's always a bit more difficult because they can't give you time. They, they can only assure you maybe in the touch or the things that you see mm. that things are going to get better because mm. in our darkest hour is when we shout out for help mm. always and that could come back as a word a feeling a sensation a feather anything just to let you know in your darkest hour there is somebody here with you i had that when um and it's in the book when I was in the process of deciding to leave my husband and it was it was painful and dark and worrying and I had three kids and I remember, and it was all about the kids, what was going to happen, and I remember just going, what about the kids, what about the kids? And there was this tiny, tiny, quiet kind of did I make it up voice saying the kids will be fine. And it was so quiet, you could so easily have missed it. Exactly. And it sounds so silly to someone who possibly doesn't, believe but that was one of the one of the two or three things that got me through that gave me the courage to continue because it was right they've told me they're going to be fine so I've now got the courage to carry on but it would have been so easy to miss and you wonder how many people do miss well that's just me saying that because that's what I want to hear yeah and that it is such a fine line it Mm. really is I think that's why people think it is their imagination they're making it up Mm. part of this stuff is the imagination Mm. but often even on a on a a try everyday basis i can go out and as i'm leaving the house it'll go tip my coat now i'll be fine doesn't it like it's going to rain lo and behold i'll be out and it will rain and whether that's my higher self whether that's my future self time traveling coming back going oh it's going to rain you need to get your coat whether that's an angel but every time i have that little voice going take an extra bag or do that or don't forget this. If I ignore it, I will lay down the line that I shouldn't have ignored it. Yeah, and I get that because I do. I still do it. I don't say that I ignore them. I just think, actually, that's me telling myself that. Mm. And every time when I don't do it, they do say to me, more or less, I told you so. Mm. You didn't listen again. Mm. Mm. I'm always getting told that. Mm. I'm no different to anybody else. When it's for somebody else, I would pay more, obviously, more attention. When it's for me, I'm a little bit blase about mm. it. But when it's nice, when it is just like take an umbrella or don't yeah. forget your purse, you think that it's the spiritual thing is all about maybe big messages about life-changing no. events or this, but actually it's knowing you've got my back yeah. it's, and, and you're not alone, that yeah. they're always looking the after you. The best one for any novice is the parking angel. Oh, I love the parking angel. It is the best one yeah. because... Charlie, he, he lives with me with this stuff and he says to me, don't happen for me. And I said, well, the best thing for you to do is to try this one, the parking mm. angel. And every time we get somewhere, I go, I'll go, oh, I forgot. And he goes, well, I haven't. I've already asked. <laughs> oh, okay. I look at him in amazement. Mm. It really is part of his life, yeah. the, the parking thing. 
because he's driving, I expect, and he thinks, oh, where are we going to park where we get there? Yeah. Whereas I'm busy getting the bags and getting in the car and yeah. not thinking down that road. But the parking angel is such pure, innocent mm. play. Mm. You're playing at it. And when you ask for a specific spot and you get it, mm. every time you mm. think, there's got to be more to this. Yeah. And it, that's the start. You've just mm. got to look. Really, at the, how you get led along mm. that line mm. to get that. Because if you just put, say you'd put that on a bigger picture mm. Mm. and ask, could you, play, you know, please help me with this bigger decision. Okay, it might not come mm. straight away, but I guarantee there'll be a feather. Mm. I guarantee there'll be mm. some sign that, Maybe they give us feathers because we can see that mm. easily. Mm. Or butterfly. We know that butterfly means transformation. We mm. all we do know that. The change from being a, in that catalyst to coming out and being a beautiful butterfly. And that's what that means. But mm. when you see them, you I I think most people just really believe they are spirit. Mm. Even if they're not in this world, mm. I think people believe that mm. because they're so beautiful. Mm. There's something about seeing a butterfly. And I know when I'm going to get a message or something, a phone call, there'll be a butterfly and it comes really close. It'll fly around my head. It'll move about. If I'm moving around the garden, it'll move about with me. And we get loads in the house, mm. loads. When I did this room, the car, we had everything out, moved the city, got all those chairs out. As we opened one of the chairs, now, but I thought butterflies died really quick. Mm. He was living in the chair. And Carl did take the chair out, so I was thinking it'll fly away. It didn't. So we folded it up, gently put it back. Mm. And I came in here before we started, you know, getting back together again with the meditations or whatever, and it was flying around in this room. Mm. I mean, that that is amazing, mm. isn't it? Mm. That it lived through here mm. in the winter and come back out. Mm. I think going back to the, um, uh, the parking, it's understanding or accepting time. Yeah. So it's understanding that you can put a message out and then they've got to make something happen in the universe or someone move that, and all that connection of time. But yeah. also when you were saying earlier about asking for something or not wanting to be alone or, or confirmation of a job or a partner or a decision, that's our impatience with time. We're very linear. Well, yeah. how long is it going to be? Is it going to be two? And they don't work like that. No. So you don't know and it is having to trust the that their, their energy and the way they work in their yeah. time, I can't imagine they have time, is no, so different. they don't understand time mm. at all. And most people, if they give you a reading, they all mostly say that you can't tell time. Mm. Other than if they show you, say, a blossom on a tree to connect to, not, to time. But even that could be not this year, it could mm. be next year. Mm. It's... They, they just don't understand time at all. Mm. So I don't know how they make that work with the car parking space because that is timing, mm. isn't it? That person's got to move out of that space for you to go in it. 
But it's interesting because that makes you think that you can ask for the for something to occur in the future, for help for mm. something, mm. to get better. But, oh, I've just got what they've said to me. They just flash Carl up to me. They know I was asking for years. Help for Carl, send him healing. I got told lots of times, you got to stop with the healing because this is not making any difference. It was in his timing that it had to be right. So you can ask and you can say, and maybe for what you're asking for, like me, it just wasn't in the timing. It wasn't in Carl's timing. It was in my timing and I wanted it now. Mm. But it wasn't going to be given to me mm. now because it wasn't the right time. Mm. Did you get that? Mm. Is that what they meant? That's what they mean. Yes, that's mm. what they mean. So, say you're in that, maybe in love with an, a man that you can't have or it's not happened yet and you're getting impatient about it. Maybe it's not in his timing mm. to be in your life yet. So because my timing was right and what I wanted, for Carl, it wasn't the right timing. It feels very deep about this stuff. It wasn't the right timing for Carl to come back before. What you forget, my dear, okay, who we got here, is everybody is in their own divine timing. We can show you a clock with times on there. But the soul has to be ready to show up on that timing. It's the soul that has the clock. That's really weird. They're showing me a a box and the box opens when it's time. Oh, Almost like it's got a timer on the lock. Yeah. Mm. So I think they're giving me that to put the analogy in. You know what they're saying to me? Maybe I they have to give me the pictures of it because it's such mm. an in-depth question. Mm. I feel like it's very deep. I did feel like that when I came in here this morning. I felt like it was very, not heavy, but more physical, what's that other word? Philosophical. Yeah. Mm. It felt like that this morning. So for me, that image is, if there's a box and the lock's got a timer on and the timer will release at a certain time, yeah. if you're not there when that timer releases, you've kind of missed that moment maybe. Yeah. It's not maybe going to stay open forever that you still have to trust, as you know, you can stare at it, but you just have to sit patiently and, and wait, wait for the yeah. divine timing to open the lock and it's then be prepared to... timing, that's it. Be that prepared you, to look in the box. That's the word. It's all in the divine timing. Everything is in... They keep calling me my dear. <laughs> Everything is in the divine timing. And we all know mm. that we've wanted something to happen or we don't want something to happen. Mm. But actually, with hindsight, we can look back and go, 
I can see why that did happen. I see where the lesson was. I see where the growth yeah. was. I see why that did or didn't or shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So that's really interesting, isn't it? They've got us round to that. They've sort of been moving us along, mm. getting us back to this bit mm. where it is deeper mm. and what we don't understand. Okay. You got any more to say on that? They've just said coal is a perfect analogy of that. So to expand on Carl for people who don't know, after you lost Stuart, you've yeah. said in the past it was like losing Carl yeah, as I well. Yeah, I lost Carl that day too. Because he really struggled with losing his brother. Yeah. And he wasn't really in your life after that. And when he was, it was very troublesome. Yeah. So he's home with you now. Yeah. He hasn't been with you for how many years? Um. 2003, possibly. He moved, we moved, we moved to the hotel for Carl to work with us because we didn't know what to do with him. And he sort of joined in to a degree. But the minute we sold the hotel and moved into the cottage, he moved back to Essex. Mm. So for 17 years, you've yeah. not really properly had him in your life no. with regular communication. It's always, no. it's always been a worry and a concern about yeah. what he's doing and where he is. Yeah. And that's when you were saying earlier about you putting it out. Yeah. And they're saying, actually, you've got to wait for Carl's divine timing to bring yeah. him home. And that's what happened. Mm. And I, I find that amazing because... It was like maybe that's what happened. That box opened, mm. the bell rung loud enough mm. for him to hear it. Mm. And maybe we're talking like this because it's uh, we can all understand that. Mm. But in that divine timing, it, it, he had to listen to his higher self mm. somewhere. Something had to be so. What they what the image they give me on that one is. It's almost like you have to be down on your knees begging for things to change before they change. You have to get that low mm. and hear it that much that you know something has to move mm. and it can't stay the same. And you hear people say that, don't you? I was, the last result was I was on my knees mm. praying and asking. There was nowhere else to go. Mm. And that's really hard for people to hear. And I yeah. know from my experience, that's yeah. true. But it's hard to think it's going to have to get really tough in yeah. order for there to be shift. Yeah. And do you think that's because you, one steps away enough from your head and your ego and the control that we all try and exert in our lives yeah. to then go, actually, I'm powerless. I'm genuinely powerless. And you yeah. can then start to ask and hand it over and maybe remove your ego and that yeah. desire. Yeah, I do. Because we think we are in control. Mm. We all do. But actually there, was, there is something bigger than us, mm. which is the divine timing. And you can call it God. You can call it what you like, the source. There's definitely something else. I've, I'll refer back to the footprints. That message I got. Mm was so, 
it was so powerful when Stu died because I literally felt I was being held up and it was like there was another pair of feet next to me. I couldn't see my feet, but I could see something next to me. I could feel it actually literally holding me up. And I never questioned what it was because there was no, there was, it, I was numb, I was frozen, whatever you want to call that. But there was definitely something. And that's really what made me go looking mm. was that feeling of being so supported. And did things, you ask for it at the time or was it just then? I think I must have asked. I must have asked. Maybe in that grief. Maybe I was even asking before Stu died that week. I probably was asking for, because you're running down every avenue trying to get help. Well, we were. And the help came, but it didn't change anything. And it was just that feeling of actually being supported in the end. And I think we, I think we go to a place of shock, of all you go down so many different roads with that grief. But in amongst all that, I just felt like I was supported. And that was that lady, the lady that gave me that footprints actually lived next door and she was a, a, a nurse that goes out looking after people. But she District was, nurse. yeah, she ultimately was a nurse. And if there was ever an angel in this world, she was my angel at that time. Absolutely lovely. And she gave me those words. And it just all made sense from that minute on mm. that there definitely is somebody or something that carries you through it. And maybe that's what Carl got. I, I haven't asked him. I haven't questioned him because he's, I don't think he actually knows himself yet. Mm. I think he's still healing. So, yeah, 17 years mm. of me asking and me being told in lots mm. of cases mm. It's pointless sending the healing because he's not getting it. It's not time yet. And a lot of people wouldn't be that patient. They they would say, oh, I've been asking for years for a man to come in my life or to come out mm. of poverty or to have somewhere to live. or And then just go, well, I give up. So ob there's obviously no one listening because they're not giving me what I want. Yeah. But actually, it's much more profound than that, isn't it? It's not it necessarily is. about what you want. It's what, it's what you need and where yeah. the growth is. Yeah. And actually getting out it's of your own way. always about your own soul growth. Mm. Yours and me asking for Carl just because he was my son. Once, and I've been told this so many times, probably people don't want to hear it, the minute you give birth to that child, you've given them permission to go and live the, their life. Mm. It's no longer anything to do with you. They come in with soul growth. They've said yes to what they need. Whatever that is, we take it personally. Mm. It is nothing to do with us. Mm. It's their life. They've said yes to all the same things as we said yes to. Mm. Or said yes to the things for their soul growth, like we said yes. Mm. And it is, it's that 
we try and put that human perspective or desire onto things and we have an expectation rightly or wrongly that life is going to be easy which it isn't or it's going to be long or it's going to be positive or wealthy or all these things and I remember when my sister passed away she was 14 and she wasn't married and she hadn't didn't have children and there was a lot of the phrases going around about oh it's such a shame she never got to get married or she never got to have children as though well there is this template and she didn't get to to fill that or complete it or live that template and um it was something that um a friend of my father said to him which sort of verbalized my feeling was everyone's river of life is different sometimes you get the long mississippi which is thin and goes on forever or you get the 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 wide river that actually is very short the life is like that and i interpreted that as an everyone presumed say to take my sister's example that life is an a to an a to z and she departed at m but it's like well i don't see it like that she had her a to z but her a to z happened to be a different length and width and looked differently to everyone else's as you could relate to a child that dies at two or someone who dies at 102 they're here to for their soul growth to achieve a certain thing for a certain length yeah and it's not for us to go well that child or that person hasn't married or that child hasn't reached Mm. 10 or 15 20 and however heartbreaking and tragic that must feel for those left behind that is kind of how it is it is it's as simple as that it it isn't simple living it no but it is that simple. Mm. Because the first thing I thought when Joe died was, I'm actually never going to see him get married mm. and I'm never going to have grandchildren mm. from him. And that, and the part of what happened was it stopped, it felt like it stopped the growth of the family. Mm. And it probably did. Mm. But the growth of, I mean, all happy families surrounded by other people's kids and their kids Mm. so losing your own child it felt like that was the end of my family but actually that was only my humanness Mm. thinking that well that because we live in the future and we always have a or this is the timeline and we we accept or presume that that is going to happen in the timeline. And when yeah. that timeline stops, you go, hang on, hang on, there's all this stuff that's unfulfilled in that yeah. timeline, but that's our living in the it's future. It's our stuff again, mm. not not the spiritual stuff. Mm. Because Stuart had al- already probably completed his contract, whatever he came here to do. Mm. And maybe that was just about waking me up. Mm. I'm, I don't... It might have even been about waking uh, Carl up, Mm. in all fairness, and changing his life, you know, for him to put him on a different path. Mm. Because obviously Carl was, for whatever reason, had to go through all these lessons. And in in my eyes, his lessons have been worse than mine, but but probably they haven't. Mm. It's just because he's my son. And you don't want that for them. No. But actually, when you go back to the other side of that, you give birth to him, he's got his own self-growth, mm. which is absolutely nothing to do with anything to do with me. Mm. 
Ochar his dad or his brother. We've all got our own. We've come together as a family. And it's like the family have to support you going on that soul growth, if you like. I was meant to be Carl's mum to understand that he wasn't ready to come home. I'm not saying it was easy, it was tough. But out of that lesson, the biggest lesson I, I learned was to let go. Mm. I, I had to let go and let God mm. and let God take over. Because all I was doing was getting in the way, mm. sending healing, asking other people to send him healing. I was like a demented, I was a demented mum with it. Mm. In a way, as much as I understood the spiritual side, all I wanted to see was Carl well. Mm. And there was a timing on it. <laughs> I find it amazing. Well, and it's out of our hands. Yes, yeah, That totally. lack of control is frightening and yeah. you are impotent. Yeah. at all but actually the only thing you can do is keep asking uh, that I did the let go and let God every day I always did I talked about it in meditation lots of times that that was the way I was told I had to do it mm. I even asked if when I knew I was obviously building up to do all this extra work I did try to bar barter with the angels, God, whoever wanted to listen. You give me coal and I'll do the work. Mm. And they said, no, you do the work and coal will come back. And I couldn't argue with that one. Mm. I thought, well, I better get on and do it then. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it was as clear as I've just said it to you. Mm. It was really clear. That day when they told me I've got to really let go now. Mm. Because all, all I was doing... There's like that with the cords, you're pulling, you're connecting into their cords mm. and it's like maybe you hold them back mm. by connecting into their cords. And I had lots of people sending healing, people that I knew and most people would come back and say to me, June, we can't do this anymore because we, we're not changing anything for him. And obviously they weren't because it wasn't his mm. time yet to, to repair, to be healed, mm. or to see the light, maybe. It is like the biggest lesson in trust, that whole story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because, you know, you've buried one son, mm. and the other one went completely off the rails, mm. completely, mm. in every sense, not just one sense, in mm. every sense, down to not, not even being able to converse with us, not talk to us, not have anything to do with us. And it was as serious as that. He never could, he didn't, to, even to Darren, he didn't speak to Darren. And even one of his friends said to me, um, the day when we visited Cowan Hospital, and Darren was there, he said to Ty, tell him to go away. I only had one brother and he's dead. Oh. And they just lost Sarah then, Darren. Yeah, long less lost Sarah. Well, that's heartbreaking. It is. It's a tough, real tough lesson. And Darren doesn't talk about this stuff because I think he's been so hurt. Mm. It does hurt. Even I get hurt by mm. it. I understand it. They tell me stuff about it. But it is still painful because you know that person 
you've given them birth, you've mm. given them life. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about we make this assumption that life is a certain length and has a certain content and timeline and is easy. And then when it doesn't, in our, in our perception, when it doesn't flow and there are massive potholes and there's pain and there's suffering and there's mm. grief, there's a natural assumption that it's not supposed to be like this. Oh, it, it, so this is definitely. my life is not working because it's full of this shit, basically. Yeah. But actually, the kicker is that is life. Yeah. And that is where all the growth comes through all the potholes. And actually, yeah. if it is smooth riding, there is no growth at all. That's and it. that's a really hard pill to yeah, swallow for is. most people. It is. I really wouldn't wish what I've been through on anybody. Mm. But is that what brought me to do the work I mm. do? Because most people talk can talk to me about anything and there's nothing I've not very few things I've not witnessed mm. you know so, so does that give me the credentials to do what I do because it's actually life that's lived mm. you wouldn't call it a life that's lived because it's not nice but it is a life that's been lived and I've lived through it and I'm here I'm I'm well mm. into a degree I've reached 73 and I think that's an amazing tribute because most of my family didn't reach that age. You know, you do question it. You really question it. And it brings it back to the work mm. every time. The icing on the cake is, for me, if my kids actually talk to me and want to be with me mm. or family, that's the, that is the icing on the cake. Mm. And I've got great friends now actually want to be with you or it's not always about the work but there's so much it's so entwined in my life now maybe I don't see it from anybody's normal perspective anymore because I can't mm. and in that in all that grief and I've always thought this that I must have a madness because in all that grief I actually there's, I, I expect for me, because it's been such a journey, such a knowing, that I've almost been privileged. Mm. I feel privileged. And that does sound like you are bonkers, doesn't it? No. But that even losing the youngsters and... Uh, I can't explain it. This is obviously me speaking, though, not them. I can't say, I mean, it sounds, when you talk about it, it does all sound so devastating, and it is, but out of that devastation, there's come a lot of love mm. and a lot of people that have walked into my life that sort of support you for the next bit. It, well, it depends how you look at it. You, you, someone else could have the same circumstances and the same life, and totally live in victim mode and feel sorry for themselves and go, I've had an awful life. You know, we've all met people like that. Mm. I have this injury, I have this, I'm defined by my grief, I'm defined mm. by my loss or my or my lack, whatever lack that is. But actually you look at what's happened and see the richness of it, the richness of the lesson and the positives, the people, the learning, the growth that's yeah. come out of it and you decide to live with that vibration. Yeah. 
and and the, and the good and the benefits right, that come out of that for everyone else and yeah. so many benefits you've helped so many people yeah and that's gold really isn't it, it is yeah and maybe that was what I was meant to do anyway and maybe that was what I came in on that vibration with to do and all I did was pick it up and run with it because maybe I didn't know any other way I never felt like something was really punishing me that I'd done something terrible. We do, Charlie and I do often say, oh, we must have had been wicked in another life to get all this. But on the whole, really totally on the whole, we're not those type of people mm. that really believe that. It's just the same. I'm extremely lucky that I've got Charlie supporting me. I think he's definitely going right the way back to the first story when I heard that voice that I would marry him. It was definitely, <laughs> really was well, you ordained. Have, you had to have a special person by our side in order to... To cope with this yeah. much grief. Mm. And it has been an awful lot of grief. Mm. But I, I honestly don't feel, and that's where I think I've got the madness, <laughs> that I don't feel that... Sometimes you feel let down by life. Yeah, everybody does. But it isn't that... It really isn't that bad for me it's that a rich tapestry and maybe because I've got spirit on my side mm. so much and maybe this is what the book is about mm. if I hadn't have picked myself up from all those tragedies then the book wouldn't have happened mm. and this wouldn't go on to help all those other people that may not have ever met me mm. maybe this is the words they need to hear mm. There really is life after grief. There is life after devastation. Mm. And maybe that's what people have to go and look for. We use the, the tapestry analogy. However dark the thread, I was seeing that in, actually in every stitch, there is a golden thread. Yeah. It may not be as wide as the dark thread, but it's actually acknowledging and recognising and taking the energy from that positive thread taking the goodness and that thread goes through your life yeah and that's what you've done through your darkest threads and your darkest parts of that there has still been a golden energy a positive energy through the people you've met through the good that has now brought yeah from the amount of people that you can help i think that that's that is it maybe i'm just lucky enough that i heard or felt what the angels wanted me to do Maybe that's as simple as that. Mm. I got maybe the same message that Carl got to come back home and to speak to us. Maybe that's as simple as that. Mm. We just heard the right message. And maybe that's how mm. I'm so fortunate that I got that. Do really believe my life's been guided. Mm. I think your vibration is higher than most so that you are closer or all, all that the message is clearer for you to hear yeah. and because other people's vibrations, either because they're not as gifted as you or because they don't listen or connect, it's harder to hear that. Yeah, maybe, yeah, because it's been so... Uh, when I get the feeling that this is so right to do this, there, there's nothing that can destroy that feeling. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what it is, how hard it all tries to stop it, there really is, I can't fight it. Mm. I, that bar in the hotel, mm. 
It was totally, I didn't want to hotel. Charlie didn't. Mm. We just, we knew we had to move for Carl. We knew it. We knew we'd have to be with him. We both gave our jobs up, a change of lifestyle, and we only ended up in Oak Cove because Carl had been taken into hospital that, that weekend. And Charlie said, come on, let's get away. He's safe now. Let's go and have a couple of days away. And he brought me to Oak Cove. Mm. And I walked past an hotel and sees a picture flagged up. You're going to live there. Who does that? And doesn't it took a year to move in mm. for lots of circumstances. And we went looking at all other places. And every time I used to say, you take me back to Oak Cove and I'll give you the answer tonight. Mm. And we'd get on the brow of that hill and I'd go, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I've got to live here. But it's not just you, because when asking people for their input for the book, one of the ladies that contributed had very similar stories that she said every time um, she had an, a knowing or a sensation of what the right place to live or the right job to do, the right country to travel to, and every time she did it, something positive and experience happened as a result. And every time she ignored it, it went horribly wrong. Yeah. And she is, um, she's lovely, but she doesn't, as far as I know, she doesn't like you practice having a gift and channeling and things like that. So it's, I want to kind of give people heart that it's not just you oh, that no, gets that. We all have that voice. Yeah. We all have that nudge, sometimes bigger or smaller, yeah. but it's actually recognising it for what it is yeah. and not letting the ego or we know better wanting to be in control kick that into touch and go, no, could are ridiculous. What of all the things? Why would I live in a hotel in Hope Cove? Yeah. It's actually going, actually, this is the right thing to do. I may not see why it's right, yeah. but I know it's right. Yeah. So many stories on on that one. Ooh. <laughs> but again, it, but it's open to all of us. Yeah, it must be because we must all be guided. Mm. So we started this. This podcast was really about connecting with angels and how they communicated and everything we've said so far. So for people who don't have that, um, for us mere mortals, we can use things like. Um, dowsing, we can yeah. use a pendulum and oracle cards. So if we can just talk a bit like that um, about that, because you use a crystal on the end of a chain. So yeah. when not only do you get messages in your channel, when you want confirmation of something, you use that pendulum to move in one direction for yes and the other direction for no. Yeah. Um, and that kind of clarifies things for you. I mean, I know yeah. I, I do that, but I don't hear voices. Why do you use that? Why do you not just get a yes or no? Why do you feel the need to? I think it's uh, belt and braces. Right. I'd hate to give the wrong message. Yeah. It just doesn't sit right mm. with me. I think it's quite nice actually you're channeling for someone to them to see that physical yeah. manifestation of that yeah. rather than just. Because I get it. I sometimes get in visual, I get visual stuff or I'll. It's just more unknowing. It's like another voice that just pops in my head, but mm. it's an actual physical knowing that mm. it's right when mm. I've said it. And that's my knowing. And going back to somebody else getting the right message for them, which is probably part of my job anyway, I like to still ask, mm. is this? 
am I get, getting this right? Mm. Because sometimes my humanist steps in and I'll say it the way I think it's meant to be said and actually it's not what they mean. Mm. I'm just stepping and getting in the way a bit. Mm. So by asking the dowser, did I get that right? And so they, they either send it round in a circle because I've asked the wrong question. So that's a don't know. A yes is so clear because it goes, and people could say, well, you're moving that. But I'm, I actually, I'm not moving it because I just know that they move it. Mm. I know they do. Mm. My hand stands still. My, I always rest my arm against something mm. so it, it's fixed mm. and it's not waving about. Mm. And the answer is immediate mm. when I ask that mm. question. And big as well. Yeah. Is that right, Angel? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've known you, I feel like I've known you forever, but I think I've known you for about five, six years. But we've had this discussion before, I can't remember meeting you. So I've been using Adelsa, let's say, for five years. And when I first started, the movements were very small and I knew I had to ask them to do louder. But to give people heart that it, it doesn't happen immediately it is about connecting and trusting yeah. and now I do get much clearer answers and they're not I don't use it in a sort of life-changing way but more often not it's confirming really kind of what I know yeah but it's like okay I don't really want that to be yes but it is and now I've kind of really got to do that yeah so you don't always get what you, you want don't, no but like it is me asking about the book mm. Has Patsy got to write that bit for the book? No, mm, mm. you've got to. Mm. Okay, then. Mm. It is putting the ball back in your mm. court when it's needed. Mm. And I think it's really confirmation. Mm. So it's a really nice way for people to start, yeah. to feel connected. I'd say it's the best way to start mm. because you can ask. Because we all think, well, we all have got a guardian angel, but we can all think, oh, have I really got one? Mm. Is it really for me? Mm. This what they're talking about? But you can ask, is your guardian angel with you? By just ask. I'd say you have to give the right art, the right question yeah. now to get the answer. Mm. You can't expect to ask them three questions in a row mm. and get that answer mm. because they just go stop they just won't answer mm. my pendulum stops if i i ask the wrong question it just won't go anywhere mm. and you've seen that mm. even this morning so angels have i got my guardian angel with me today mm. i mean it's as, as if i would doubt it but have we got as, as, as archangel michael is he here today i said no is Archangel Raphael here? Is Archangel Uriel? So we have got Uriel today. Have we got Gabriel? No. Have I, and it's already going to answer because I know I'm <laughs> going to ask his sandal from here. Mm. And sandal from is my guardian angel. So we've got sandal from and Uriel. And Uriel has had a lot to do with the book. Maybe it's Uriel. Apparently, it always feels very feminine to me, but apparently it's a male energy, Uriel. I've just got the message that 
Uriel was interested in what we're talking about, the signs. Hmm. So, are you happy with the messages up to you? So that's a yes. So we've been going down the right track, obviously. There is, he's happy. And I go this way because mostly I fill them this side to the right of me. I don't know why that. I've got no reason to know why, but that's the sort of way I fill them around there. Oh, no one got anything else to say about the signs and the symbols. What he's just said to me is we could talk about feelings. Okay. So feelings, okay. I just asked, do you mean emotion? Yes. Okay, I get what they're saying. We can get... Okay. When somebody's really at their lowest ebb, that's when the angels are allowed to really step into your aura and support and hold you up. This goes back to the footsteps. Mm. They, and he, they're showing me a, a feeling of, like supporting you under the arms, like so you don't fall. And in in one way, your emotional body's already fallen. So that this means that it's not your physical arms; they're physically holding you up emotionally. Mm. Okay, does this make sense? Mm. Okay, we bring in the light to support your darkness. Oh. It's almost when you're on the lowest step that you give us permission to support you in that way. To give you the emotional well-being for you to pick yourself up and start over again and it is <laughs> this one is me now it's an inside job <laughs> we try to make you feel better better about yourself so we send the light to the dark to support you this is a very human thing when you fall by the wayside. We just have to be there to steer you back onto the path for you to be here for your soul lessons. Okay, and he's shown me a path. And the, when he's saying when you go off, the, it was like that you was at, we were over there and it's like pulling you back onto this path to make you see that this is not as bad. This is just a soul lesson. 
I just said to him, this is not, this is not as bad for you because you know different and I got back and so do you. <laughs> so in our, somewhere in our knowing, mm. we know mm. that being off that path isn't a good mm. thing, that you've got to get back on track. Is that what you mean? Did you mean that you're... Did you mean that it's... We know that we have to be back on track. There's a knowing. Okay. So is this part of our emotional connection to spirit? And that's a yes. Mm. So the emotional body that we come with is part of our antennae. And that's a yes. So when you look at the, um, <clears throat> the order they are, you look at the layers of the aura, you do have your etheric body, don't you, and your emotional body. And yeah. Then each are different colours. Yeah. What kind of the emotion? I'm getting told yellow. Okay. It's the emotional body yellow. Mm. So that's the solar plexus mm. again. Mm. And that's really interesting because we were doing in my work in Touch for Health, we do a thing called a colour balance. So okay. we work with red, yellow, white, blue and green and they each define the five elements. And it's about looking at the colour and there are negative aspects and positive qualities in each colour and allowing the vibration of the colour to either diffuse the negative or to bring in the positive qualities. And it was, we were doing this via Zoom and it was still working and my teacher was saying, some colours some colors will be really irritating to look at. They'll just annoy you and some mm. will be drawn to. And for me, it was yellow. It was really just maybe cross. <laughs> yeah. But it was, the, and it was the most powerful one of the words. Obviously, emotionally, I needed to work on that aspect. But yeah. it's fascinating how you look at the chakras and you look at the emotional aura yeah. and you look at that from a perspective that those vibrations of colour yeah. all connect. Because I very rare, rarely wear anything yellow. Yeah, me too. Mm. And I know I've given messages in wearing yellow there, putting, telling people to actually put the colour yellow there. Mm. And I know when Jill lost John, I took yellow flowers mm. to give to her. Mm. And I did it when Laurie's Nick died to his mm. mum. I gave them both yellow. It was so... She's screaming at me that I had to give them yellow flowers because that is the part mm. that was really hurting mm. there. That emotional mm. pit that you have to rebuild. Mm. So that's really interesting. And we're so, we've had this discussion so many times, we're so in our head, we're so human, we're so arrogant, we're so yeah. ego-driven, we're so, the desire to control is so strong that we've just forgotten to communicate on yeah. that vibrational level the feeling, the colour, yeah. the knowing. I think, really, really, truly, I think none of us like to visit that spot mm. because it, if it's emotional, emotional good is, is great. Mm. We're all up there and flying high. But the emotional down mm. is just not a place you want to go and visit. And maybe 
that says something again about how human is. Mm. That if that's the case, then maybe that's the spot that we have to work on mm. to go back and look at why. I don't know why I don't wear yellow. It just perhaps it doesn't appear. I do get every day when I stand in front of my wardrobe. I know exactly what I have to wear. Mm. There's certain colours I could not never put on for that day. And that's a knowing. Mm. It's not some it's only when I stop and study and try and look at my why have I done that? I could get clothes out on the bed and think, Oh, I'll wear them today. I've done it today. And I couldn't have put my mum to do this. It mm. wasn't right. So I went back. And they, they were showing me what. <laughs> I know it's it all sounds a bit bizarre, but it had to be these trousers, yeah. and this top mm. goes with those trousers. So the, it was the softer colours. Yellow maybe is too bright. Mm. Yes, yeah, because I'm feeling I'm feeling really tired. It's extraordinary. I feel like I'd just fall asleep. You know why? You're getting heaning. Am I? <laughs> I can really just fly back and get to sleep. Um, but I get that when I come and see you, especially that first podcast when I wore that piece and love jumper. I oh. I often get, okay, no, I've got to wear that today. That's or, like, or when I, we did the Anisha healing and I bought those, the two-tone pink flowers yes. and I got Lady Nada and the shoe yeah. was two-tone pink. So often I will get what colours I have to bring yeah. when I'm in And here. it is so strong, you mm. can't deny it. Mm. You can, you can deny it, but it's your knowing. Mm. And that knowing is so good to mm. listen to. Mm. And it, has, it takes, for me, I mean, it's been, I've been interested in this stuff for, for decades, but from meeting you and, and honing it, it's taken me a good five years yeah, to get that. It so, will do. again, it's not for people to be disheartened and go, well, I don't know and I can't connect and I don't get those messages. And that's what stops it. Yeah. And it is just trusting and knowing that it does take time. And we've said before, you've had a 73 year span yeah. of amassing circumstances and situations and yeah. grief and emotions and knowledge and wisdom to get you to the point where you help the number of people that you do. But that's 73 years. Yeah. You know, I've only been going 50 years. And so I don't think unless you're the new Dalai Lama, you're not going to have this at 20 or 30. Only, I mean, you have to live your life in order yeah. to get the potholes yeah. to gain the wisdom. Or if you've come here, for, Stuart used to talk to me about healing. I never, ever knew anything about mm. it. I thought, what's he talking about? Mm. It just did not resonate anywhere in my being mm. when he used to talk to me. I used to say to him, Mum, he used to say, Mum, you know you can heal your organs, don't you? I used to go, oh, Stu, <laughs> honestly. I thought he was not nutty. I just thought, what's he talking about? I didn't have time to actually look at it. Mm. If I'd have sat down with him, I would have probably got it then. But it is young age. He knew that stuff. And maybe that's what he came in with to do, to learn, to move on. Uh, maybe at 20, he was already 70. Mm. And I was going to say that earlier, we were talking about the A to Z of life and we come and we go and we're meant to go and the heartache that's felt when... Um, people under 20 or 10 die mm. and people feel robbed at that life and the tragedy of it but more often not from what I hear and I've been lucky that I've not um, experienced that children or those people shine brighter than anyone else and it's like they've got their life and they've yeah. packed it into that yeah. short life and they are 
getting goosebumps all over. They've packed it in. Yeah. And so they've they've lived it at a higher intensity and, and yeah. have created more love or more positivity by their existence, either when they're here or when they've gone, that it's we're not all gonna live to eighty. Yeah. And it's that I think is it in a nutshell. Mm. I know Stuart came in this life running. <laughs> he, it was like I could never catch him. <laughs> and that at ten months old he was walking. He, and I used to, he was tiny and he was very pretty. He looked like a little girl and everybody used to look at him. I'd put him down in the shops because I'd have Darren holding on and I'd obviously, have, I didn't have coal within him when he was 10 months old, but I would have to put him down because I'd have to get to me purse or something in a shop. And everybody used to go, <gasps> you don't put babies down like that. He'll have bandy legs. And I'm like, but he's walking. And because he was tiny anyway, yeah. they obviously thought he was younger than 10 months. But he was, an extraordinary age to walk. He was running. He weren't just walking. <laughs> and we'd go to the local playground. And obviously Darren wasn't at school then. It must have been just before he went to school. Stuart would be up the top of the biggest slide. And Darren be standing at the bottom. <laughs> Just so different. And my mouth, my heart was always in my mouth mm. with Stuart. We'd walk along a cliff path next to the sea, and he, him and Carl would literally dive off the cliff into the sea. Oh. Always. They, my friend Jeannie wouldn't walk along with them anymore. <laughs> We'd go on holiday, and she used to say, I'm not walking along with you. I can't walk along with you. Because they were such daredevils. Mm. But what it, what was that? Was that fearlessness that they didn't... I don't know. Or was that just that they had that amount of life... Or Stuart did. Mm. He had that amount of life to get through. Mm. Mm. He never... Uh, we went away for a week. He was the artist. We went away for the weekend. And we lived in still then. And it was a, a semi-detached house. The part over the garage... We came home and he'd muralled the whole side of the house. But luckily, we, you know, me and Charlie didn't take any notice. That's what he did. That's mm. what he always did. He always drew everywhere. Everything was always drawn on. His walls in his bedroom. We had a piano out in the garden. And I come home one night and he painted the piano and he what is interesting in all this his signature then was a star hmm. but not a star like a drawn star hmm. it was like what i see which is very interesting we've been talking about signs it's like a that's it that was his signature hmm. if, if i could find that picture of that piano you'd see what i mean just, he had an amazing way with looking at things or doing things. Everything was always, it, he was way beyond his time, mm. his era. I mean, none of my family were like that. Mm. My brothers weren't like it. Uh, you'd almost say he was outrageous, mm. you know. It was, everything was so different what he did, everything. I'd never seen 
people draw on the walls or, I mean, as kids, you wouldn't let your kids draw on the mm. walls with pen or anything, but it was different. It was so different with Stuart. He just had that, I don't know what that was about him, but, you know, in my heart, I think, thank God, mm. we let him do all that mm. stuff, mm. let him do all that drawing and whatever he wanted to paint because it was okay. It wasn't. Maybe me and Charlie would just lay back and let him do it. So it is quite amazing, really, because normal mums and dads would have gone, you can't mm. do that, wouldn't they? Mm. Or told them off. Mm. But we never did. Which maybe it boils down, I don't know if we covered this last time, to think all the children who communicate or manifest their energy or their what they want to say differently, whether it be through music or spoken word or singing or art or by crafting or, you know, I believe that every child has a talent, whatever it may be. Yeah. And because we squash them into the education system and yeah. they've all got to, you know, conform and do it the right way, you hinder that the way that they want to communicate it. and then to yeah. you take that into adults we're all squashed into conforming and we've lost the ability to connect with the way that we vibrate or we communicate yeah. whether it is be through through colour or sound or singing yeah, or drawing I get that I really totally get that because maybe this was my communication and thank goodness I didn't have anybody mm. to squash it other than mm. me. Mm. Don't be so stupid. Of course you don't hear voices. Yeah. How embarrassing. Don't, yeah. What would the neighbours think? Exactly. And nobody ever said that because I didn't actually voice it, I suppose. But how many children have been told they oh. don't have imaginary friends or yeah. they can't see anything? They and Rhea, Laurie's Rhea, always used to talk to me about her, her friend Lucy. We always had Lucy. And I used to say to her, where she lived then, Ray? She lives in London. She knew exactly. In a, she could answer every question I gave her. Mm. And she was Diddy, a little Diddy thing. And I said to Laurie about it the other day, I said, I wonder what happened to Lucy. She said, oh, I think she grew up. <laughs> 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 but Rhea really had some form of gift and none of us mm. squashed that either. Mm. I think for people who were saying about being able to connect and maybe when you were younger in your 20s and 30s you're, if you've got family or a career and you're too busy to connect and hopefully for the people who are listening to this and who read the book I do believe that you come to this stuff when you're ready yeah and definitely. it will start to make sense I know that books have come to me when you're ready and it yeah. is uh getting to the point where you're not superstitious or skeptical or or frightened of it yeah even mm. some people have a fear of it, mm. and that's not that won't work mm. if you've got a fear of it. It's kind of getting to that point where you begrudgingly, I suppose, know for some people that it's right, and if they are resistant to it, but actually they really know that mm. there is truth to it, yeah, and so they explore it more. Or actually, as you say, it's oh, maybe what, it's just a knowing, yeah, that you've got to explore it, yeah. Maybe you've gone through every avenue and there wasn't an answer. Mm. So you, you just try something else. And maybe it's as simple as that. Mm. And maybe that's what it was for me. Mm. I just got drawn to people. And for some reason, when they got 
I got drawn to them, things changed for them, mm. like opening up a meditation group or, I mean, I didn't even, I probably, we probably all meditate in a, a daydreamy type mm. of place, which I probably did. I think I was always a bit in that daydreamy state. So meditation wasn't a word that was banded about then, because you're talking 28, 30 years ago. For that lady to actually say, I'll open up that group because I've met you, was quite an honour really. At the mm. time I was probably quite numb from all what was going on and not really paying attention to that. But it's a big thing for me now when I think she did that for me mm. and started me down this journey. And just her, her knowledge of saying things to me caused a spark of, mm. oh, and the interest in the next step. And she always talked to me about the healing. Mm. And really what I was looking for was the meditation, mm. no, the mediumship. Mm. I, I thought that was wonderful that you could give people messages. Mm, mm. I didn't realise the evening was going to be a big part of mm. my life then. And I never did, really, not then. But when we've done, from what I've witnessed, being part of your group, when other people have come to meditation, the, the speed of growth through being with the group yeah. and doing that, the stories we've heard, the, the opening up, of this is where I'm at, this is what's happened, this is how I'm feeling. Um, one, it, the beauty of the group and the, the love, the, the unconditional love and support that we give each other through actually not knowing each other awfully well beforehand to Strangers. suddenly going straight in and knowing yeah. their deepest secret or their deepest fear or their worries. But it's been so transformational for so many people. And whether that's just the power of meditation or the power of the group or the power of the angels or the combo of all of it, but that's what never stopped blowing me away. I think it's the combination. Mm. The people come in at the right time mm. because there's a lot of people that I, I wouldn't ask to come and join that group. I get a real knowing about mm. who I do have to ask. And I know that you all feel that mm, too, mm. because it, it's so exposing mm. to your emotional mm. stuff more than anything. The connection comes, obviously, but it is you actually voicing mm. what's happened mm, and, mm. and and trusting the and environment trusting to do everybody, that. To be honest, yeah, is going to be okay with mm. hearing it, mm. not repeating mm. it, so that. There's a lot of trust that goes mm. into that. But also not giving, it's not about everyone giving advice either. Because what tends to happen is that someone else will tell a story that becomes relevant to the person yeah. that's shared. So it's not, oh, do it like this. Yeah. But there's, everyone has a, an innate wisdom or relevance that they can share that then connects with that person. And it's beautiful to say that one week it can be, you know, the two Janes or, or, or those two people. Yeah. But it's, and you can just watch it manifesting yeah. before your eyes. I loved it when Jane came mm. and Nikki was here. And they had that instant mm. that they could feel mm. that they both had something that was very similar mm. going on. Mm. 
I don't think we was even privileged to what that mm. was. Mm. But those two felt it. Mm. And it was at the time, it, and it speeded up Jane, mm. what, you know, her whole mm. spiritual stuff going on. It really speeded mm. it up in her coming. So for, for for her, it happened within the group, but for you, it happened in a more linear way yeah. going through life. But we've all experienced that. We've all yeah. that one conversation or that one when you're trusting and, and really coming from the heart, which yeah. we were talking about last week. Yeah. Only goodness can come from that. And then something yeah. is said that helps to heal or to move on to then meet someone else or a circumstance happens. And yeah, when you are aligned and vulnerable, a lot of it. Brenny Brown says the biggest yeah. courage is to be vulnerable. Yeah. So the vulnerable is. and coming from the heart and being open, yeah. then it gives the angels or the energy space to work. I think it? that's what they were showing me when you're vulnerable. They showed me holding up under your arms, but I, the emotion it was the emotional mm. that they're holding you up mm. by. So maybe in that in them holding you up like that, you actually do see the bigger picture. Mm. Mm. Maybe that is part of that. That's their job to support you when you're going to come that close to support you then, mm. although they're always there. But maybe that's when we fall on our knees and call out mm. for the help. They can step in and mm. just lift you up that bit. So it, it's not always in, in extremists, although more often it is the life changing. That vulnerability can be, say, for example, within our group. And people just be vulnerable because they're honest. Yeah. As soon as you're vulnerable, then you open yourself up to healing. So yeah. it can be about a job or about a marriage or about a child circle, you know, relationship. But there's always healing to be had. And you get the extreme vulnerability or grief or, you know, which yeah. feels so much bigger and is so much bigger. But I think to be vulnerable, even with small things, yeah, creates yeah, that. It's a, maybe it's just a vibrational thing. Yeah, I think it is, and I think that's what they were showing me. Mm. They, it, Uriel called it emotional, mm. and maybe it is all tied into that. Mm. But it is vulnerable. We call it vulnerable, don't we? Mm. And it, it's just said to me again: it's about trust, mm. and it is trust. I trust completely that they're going to turn up and do their job mm. or I always you know for long while seeing such wonderful stuff come from it especially when we sit in group mm. I think that's so instant mm. when we sit in group mm. that people it was like it's like the light bulb moment yeah. isn't it that they just get it mm. and it's always a different person mm. for a different reason the cards, everything about those evenings are just so spot on. They've got it so mm. in order. But for people who don't have that, um, one, they could see if they could find a group. Yeah. But I wanted to also just briefly touch on the other form of communication that we use in group, that we use as individuals, and that anyone can do is when we're using the oracle cards. Yeah. Because I think when you are vulnerable and put that out and recognise, actually, I'm feeling fearful or I'm feeling grief or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm whatever it is and you then use your oracle card packs of which there are so many to choose and yeah. you choose the ones that you're drawn to the messages that can come out uh, will are amazingly 
they never cease to blow you away how supportive and spot on they are. Whether you're yeah. taking a single word or a card with a short explanation or ones that then have a book. And you could say if you were sceptical, oh, well, I'm sure if you could read anything into that. But you, they're pretty specific, aren't they? Yeah, pretty and spot on yeah. every time. And especially the words in group, the same words will come up again and again, again. and again, whether it be yeah. power or trust. Yeah. And it will get reflected in all the conversations and all the messages that we get, all the yeah. meditations that we get. But for me to have that in my lowest moments, the other night I was upset about something at midnight and I should have been asleep. And I'm anxious and I knew I wouldn't sleep. I just sat down in front of my... Um, my altar and I took three cards and the calm it brings me because I know I'm not alone for one I know they hear me but also the message is okay I get it now I've put it in a different perspective you're trying to tell me that okay I can get that you can look at it from a different angle yeah. and it, they, for me they are one of the most powerful yeah. almost to me actually more powerful than the pendulum I think yeah in a way. I think they are in everything has its own uh, relevance mm. the cards the pendulum i i know when we're gonna do group that i'm guided totally to what cards we use mm. on that night and there is always a relevance when someone picks those cards mm. it could just be one of us in that group that gets the right card to spark off the rest of the group to give not their point of view to give their story mm. To make that person feel that they're not alone, mm. even in the group, they're mm. not alone. Mm. Besides, who runs the group, which is the angels? They've got so they've got so much backup. Then they're not alone, mm. and it's in the aloneness that I think people fall by the wayside mm. more than any other reason because. You can't see the wood for the trees mm. when you're on your own. Mm. And you just it just becomes despairing, doesn't it? It does. To feel lonely and when life is tough is awful. Yeah. Truly awful. And if you're not feeling your angel because of that reason, mm. in the group, it's more to it than mm. that. It is actually that emotional support you get. That's what I really believe. Mm. So you can grow. Mm. You can use your path to the way that you're meant to be using it to walk in the path mm. whatever that path is maybe it's not to work or maybe it's just bringing you to use the oracle cards mm. or to use a dowser to get your own answers to feel comfortable in your own body mm. and not think that you're mad going mad because mm. you might have heard a message or following that spiritual path like people do think they're going mad because mm. that's what the society tell you mm. that that's not real mm. you're imagining it and i think we all, we know that mm. you get a lot of com we get comfort from oh, doing it life changing yeah so that's I, I expect that's what the really the basis of that book is mm. that it's for people to really not think they're going mm. mad, their imagination's not running wild, and that actually there is help mm. if you go looking mm. in the right, maybe in the right places. Mm. But I do believe we all find a group that suits us mm. in the end, and it's it will always be special. Mm. All the groups I've ever sat in, 
there's and there's been times when I'm I've known I've had to leave because it that was enough. You know, that it didn't work that anymore for me. And you walk away, but there's always another one mm. that arrears, you know, it comes out of the blue. Mm. Always. Mm. And because you're maybe my antenna I was already out there looking for another group mm. that was gonna move me on to the next part of mm. my expansion maybe call it i don't know on to the bigger picture well it's growth that all stages isn't it yeah because had you stayed in your original group you wouldn't have done your own group you wouldn't have no, helped the people you've helped i wouldn't have ever done it would never have come from me because mm. i didn't know i could do it anyway then mm. it was literally handed to me on a plate and that is, I suppose, when people talk about comfort zones and stepping out of them. It's actually, it's actually let's sit and see really yeah. what I need to do or what I'm being told or where yeah. that physical, I was saying, oh, about that physical feeling. Mm. Real trust. It's quaking, mm. thinking, oh my God, what do I do with this? Mm. But it was okay in the end. It was just okay. You just have to sit and be with it. And not panic. Mm. Well, I might be <laughs> But it, if if you accept the challenge, maybe that's it. Accept the challenge. And trust. And trust. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Hero Hotspot podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more in the series please visit our website, www.herohilistic.co.uk. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care.